Well, Isaiah chapter 38. We're going to continue our study in the, in the life of Hezekiah. And uh, as I've told you through this study, um, these passages on the life of Hezekiah, um, they kindly transcend uh, three different books, Second Chronicles, 2 Kings, and the book of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah doesn't give us as much detail on the life of Hezekiah as 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. But it's intricately twined, entwined, you say why, because if you remember, um, last week when we looked at the, when the king of Assyria came against Israel, you remember that it was Isaiah the prophet that God spoke to Hezekiah through. And so that's the reason this is contained in the book of Isaiah. Now what we're going to look at this morning is an episode in Hezekiah's life where he literally became sick unto death. And God intervened in a mighty way. How many of you agree today that when you, go, when you have circumstances in your life, uh, sometimes we use this phrase, when it rains, it pours. Would you all agree with that? Say amen. I mean, sometimes we feel like that when it rains, it's just pouring. And, and we're getting flooded in our life with circumstances. But can I tell you today that there's never a time in your life or my life as a child of God that God is not completely in control. He's always in control. Isn't that good to know? And, and therefore, there's nothing you could ever go through in your life that God can't take you through and walk you through. And this is what we find in the life of Hezekiah here. So if you would, please stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word as we look at Isaiah chapter 38, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 8 this morning. The Bible says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Now, how many agree that encourage you? But notice what it goes on to say. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart. And have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, <coughs> Go to and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears, and behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years. Let's pray. Father, I just come to you today. I just pray this message would be a help and an encouragement to us this morning. Uh, Father, I, I don't pretend to know what everybody in here is going through in their life. But Father, I do know that you're sufficient for it. So Father, I just pray that you would just uh, edify us, help us to grow deeper in faith, in our walk of faith. And Lord, we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. You may be seated. I want you to look first at the sickness of Hezekiah. Now, this sickness of Hezekiah, what we do know about it is two things. Number one, he was sick unto death. Matter of fact, uh, we're going to find out in just a minute, he was bedridden. I mean, his sickness was so bad, he was bedridden. He couldn't even get out of bed. Now, here's the other thing we know about it, that whatever this sickness is, it, 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 it encompassed having a bull. Now, when we think of a bull, we think of something that, that just comes and goes. But in that day, a bull, or in that language, a bull would simply mean an infected ulcer. And so, listen, you may be shocked to hear this, but back in the Old Testament, they didn't have antibiotics. And so, you had an infected ulcer, listen, it'd get in your bloodstream, and it would very, very much be a deadly thing. And so what Hezekiah had was an ulcer that was, if you will, hot or inflamed, and infected, and therefore it had caused such sickness to work through Hezekiah's body that he literally was bedridden. But now, what I want you to see about this passage about the sickness of Hezekiah was this. is the first thing, the timing of his sickness. The timing of his sickness. Now, here's what we know about the timing of his sickness. And this is putting 2 Kings back together. If you remember, 2 Kings said in the 14th year of Hezekiah's reign, it's when the king of Assyria came against Israel and Hezekiah. Now, what we know is, we just read the passage, that God's going to grace Hezekiah with 15 more years. So if you take 14, the first 14 years of his reign, and then the 15 that God's going to give him extra, that's 29 years. Well, guess how long Hezekiah's reign was? 29 years. So now here's what we know. 
that while all this was going on with the king of Assyria coming against Israel, sending the propaganda, trying to discredit his leadership, and at the same time trying to discourage the people that they would surrender, at the same time, Hezekiah was going through this deadly sickness. Now, how many of you agree to that? It'd be one thing as a king to go through an attack of an enemy that's far greater and bigger than you are. But to not only have that, but on top of that, to be sick unto death while it's going on. Would you not agree that it would be very easy to, for Hezekiah to say when it rains, it pours? I mean, this is the timing of it. Now, you say, well, why in the world God allow that? Well, we'll deal with that in a second. But I'm going to tell you something. Listen, God allows in your life and my life things that sometimes just don't make sense to our flesh and to our humanity. But God allows them because he has a divine plan and a purpose in them. And can I tell you, the primary work that God does in our life when he allows these things is to bring us into a deeper walk of faith and a deeper walk of dependence upon him. And so, so what we find here is the timing is very significant because it comes in conjunction with the, with the attack of the Assyrians and now all of a sudden all these things begin to lump together and all these things have fallen up on Hezekiah at one time. And what a very difficult situation to be in. But now, let me show you secondly, not only the timing of the sickness, but the trauma in the sickness. Now, we do know this, that it was very painful. And he had great suffering. Now, how do you know that? Well, the end of chapter 38 of Isaiah, which we'll deal with tonight, he deals with that after the fact. But so here was a man that not only was going through a sickness unto death, not only going through that, but the attacking of the Assyrians and the discrediting of his credibility to the people. And not only that, but letters were being wrote to the people uh, from the Assyrians that were trying to very much discourage them and cause them to surrender. But even with that, he was in great pain. And the trauma and the suffering of his sickness was very great. Now, so here's what you find in Hezekiah's life. One circumstance, on top of another circumstance, on top of another circumstance, on top of another circumstance. Now, I mean, you agree. If it's just you and I without the Lord, there's only so much you can take. But aren't you glad today that as a child of God, you're never, ever alone? And God's always sufficient. And this is what we're going to find in Hezekiah's life. Now, look at the third thing about the sickness of Hezekiah. The truth about the sickness. So Isaiah comes to Hezekiah in verse 1, and he says, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Now, Isaiah would have been the most trusted of the prophets in which Hezekiah would give an ear to. Because Hezekiah's already heard uh, the prophet Isaiah give him promises in which God has already fulfilled. And so the prophet comes to Hezekiah and he doesn't say, listen, here's what I think about your situation. Now, that's not what he said. He said, the Lord said that you're going to die. You're not going to make it. Get your affairs in order. So now, the Syrian army, propaganda, letters, sickness, suffering, I'm going to die. Would you see why I titled this, If It Rains, It Pours? See, this is where Hezekiah is in his life right now. He's dealing with the Assyrians at the same time, he, in his mind, living under the penalty of death or the prospects of death. But when Isaiah said this, he said, set thou house in order. What did he mean by that? Well, physically, yes, but spiritually. How many agree today that the Bible says it's appointed unto man to die and then comes the judgment? Can I tell you something today? If you're breathing today, y'all are breathing today, y'all say amen. Y'all don't scare me, okay? All right, if you're breathing today, you're living on borrowed time. And here's the reality of the situation. At any moment, at any second, you can breathe your last breath. 
And you'll stand before God to give an account of every day that you breathe breath and what you did with that day. You see, Isaiah didn't say to Hezekiah, just you're not going to make it. He said, get yourself ready because you're not going to make it. Now you say, well, preacher, listen, if I I knew that I only had a week to live or two weeks to live, I, I mean, I'd change a lot, a lot of things in my life. Well, can I love on you just a minute? Why does it have to take that for you to obey God? Why does it have to take you knowing that you only have a few weeks to live for you to automatically be all in with the Lord and obey Him? You see, you ought to live every single day, and I ought to live every single day, as if it's my last day. You know why? Because it just might be. So I ought to live every day with this kind of mindset. If by the day's end, Lord, you call me home, how am I going to stand before you in confidence, peace, that as much as I know I've dealt with everything and I've obeyed what you've said for me to do, Or you may be sitting here today and you're saying, well, listen, if the Lord calls me home right now, there's just, I'm just going to be honest, there's some things I'm going to be ashamed of. See, you ought to live every day getting your affairs in order spiritually. Because it could be the last day. You say, well, I'm I'm young. I mean, I'm vibrant. I've got my whole life in front of me. I I mean, listen, I'm only 30 years old. I mean, I can, I'm not talking about myself, by the way. Y'all say amen. I didn't want anybody to think I was lying or anything. But anyway, I'm only 30 years old. I I mean, listen, I'll I'll just live how I want to live for a few years. And then when I get up there in years and it gets close to where I possibly could in my old age, uh, breathe my last breath, then I'll get everything right with the Lord. Then I'll just give myself total to the Lord. I'll let God have complete cold in my life. I want to tell you something. If that's your mindset, you're lost. Because a true child of God can't think that way. You see, Hezekiah was given a truth about his sickness. He's going to die. But in that truth, he was given the opportunity to make sure he was ready for that time to come. Now, let's look just a little bit further. Not only the, the, the timing and the trauma and the truth, but the testing and the sickness. So you have to ask the question, well, wait a minute, God. Why would you allow this to start with? I mean, why would you allow all these things to happen at one time to this man who, who brought great revival to Israel and brought great, uh, uh, if you will, reestablishing of worship in the temple. And, and yes, he, he, yes, he made some mistakes. Yes, he, he tried to make a deal with the king of Assyria. Yes, he went down to Egypt and tried to make a deal with Egypt. But yet the predominance of his life was to try to restore, to get worship back to the way you designed it to be. God, why in the world would you allow this to a man like that? Well, can I tell you, God will allow things like this in your life, even when you're walking in righteousness, just to bring you to a deeper place of, of a walk of faith and a deeper place of dependence and trust of the Lord. How many agree that every day of our life, God wants to get us to a deeper place of faith and dependence? Every single day of our life. You, you say, well, preacher, I just don't believe God would allow this stuff just to get me to a place of deeper faith. Well, I want God news for you. Read the Bible. He does it all the time. It's just to get you to the place where you realize, I can't do this. I I can't make this on my own. I I can't get my way out of this. See, what happens is, a lot of times, like Hezekiah did on two different occasions, when the Assyrians came against him, he tried to plot a way out of the situation. He tried to invent a way out of the situation. That's the reason he went to the king of Assyria and made a deal. That's the reason he went to Egypt and tried to make a deal, because he tried to figure a way out. And how did that work for him? It didn't work at all. So what was God teaching him? Hey, Hezekiah. I'm the all you need. I'm the only one that can help you in this situation. 
And many times God has to put us through the ringer to teach us that very truth. Because sometimes, even when we're walking in righteousness, we can start getting self-confident. I remember I was pastoring my first church. And when I started pastoring my first church, listen, I didn't know anything. Still don't know much. (laughs) I didn't know anything then. I mean, I, I didn't know much. There was only one thing I knew. I had to be completely, utterly dependent upon God. And I prayed like I hadn't prayed all my Christian life. Because I was literally, I'm being honest, I was scared to death. Because I didn't want to leave people wrong. I didn't want to preach error. I just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And let me tell you what happened. God began to sweep through that little church, tripled in size in about three, four years. And then all of a sudden, here's what I found about myself. It went to my head. I found myself not praying as much. Not being as dependent. I tell people this. To my shame. I got to where I could strut sitting down. And you say, preacher, I don't want to hear this about you. Oh, you've been there too. You just don't want to admit it. Amen. Can I tell you what God had to do? He had to ever loving jerk the rug out from under me. I went to another church. Went down there with the mindset, I'll preach to them. When I preach to those first people, we'll see God do the same thing. I went down there and preached the same stuff to them. They didn't want to hear it. And God taught me something. I got miserable. It was a struggle for me to prepare to preach. I was miserable. But God was teaching me in that. And God taught me this truth you think you can do it on your own huh how's it working for you now you ever been there Donald God jerked the ever loving rug up see God will allow things in your life just to get you to a deeper place of faith and dependence and I believe that's what he's doing with Hezekiah's life alright now So let's look at the second thing. Not only do we see the sickness of Hezekiah, but look at the supplication of Hezekiah. Look at verse number two. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. Notice this with me. The habitual practice of prayer. What do we find out about Hezekiah's life? Well, when the king of Assyria came and began to spread that propaganda about his leadership, what Hezekiah done? He prayed. When the king of Assyria began to write those letters and try to get the people discouraged that they would surrender, what did Hezekiah do? He took the letters to the house of the Lord and prayed. So what do you find out about Hezekiah? He was an habitual practicer of prayer. Therefore, when he got sick unto death and when he was about to die, what's the first thing he did? Did he pick up the phone and call his friend and say, Hey, would you pray for me? No, he got in a place where he could pray unto the Lord. You see, it was habitual to him. Now here's the truth that I want you to hang on to. Y'all ready? Y'all got got your, your closet open in your mind? Put this in your closet. If you don't habitually pray now, when you get in trouble, you'll find yourself not going to the Lord first. You'll go somewhere else first. That's right. Amen. You see, when circumstances arise, how you're going to respond is going to be on the basis of how you've been living. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with asking friends to pray. Y'all say amen. Y'all say Amen. Nothing wrong with that at all. Matter of fact, iron sharpened than iron. God put us together for a reason. But let me tell you something, folks. The first place we ought to go is Him. 
And so this was a habitual practice of Hezekiah's life. This wasn't something that was abnormal to him. This was something that was normal to him. And therefore, when he got in this fix, what did he do? He went to the Lord in prayer. I shared this with the early service. Let me share it with you. There's an old hymn that was written years ago by a guy named Joseph Scriven. The hymn's called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. He rightly said when he said this in that hymn, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Can I tell you, when you're going through tough times in your life, you ought to camp out on your face before God. Because that's where the peace begins to set in. Because God begins to work in your heart and your life to remind you, hey, listen, I'm in control. I'm sufficient. I'm enough. Just trust me. And I don't know about you, but when you really know that truth, it will set you free. Amen? Notice this with me. Not only do you find the habitual practice of prayer, you find the humble posture of prayer. Now remember, he's bedridden, so he can't get on his face, he can't get on his knees. So what does he do? Well, he turns himself towards the wall and prays. This was the only humble posture he could get in, given his physical condition. Now listen, why should I get in a position of humility when I pray? Whether it's on your knees before God or whether it's laying on your face before God or if you can't get on your knees or lay on your face that you can bow your head towards God. Why is that? Because here's the one thing you've got to always remember. That whatever God does for me, I'm not worthy of it. I'm never worthy of what God does. How many of you had God to answer prayer in your life? Amen. Guess what? It was grace he did it. Had nothing to do with you. Had nothing to do Amen. with what you did or didn't do. It was all because of grace. You say, well, you know, you know, you preacher, you just don't know how much I prayed before God answered it. Well, guess what? God just let you get in on his grace. But it wasn't because you prayed so much. That's the reason, listen, that's the reason everything God does in your life and my life is all a work of grace. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. You didn't merit it. I didn't merit it. God did it in spite of you. And so the only humble posture he could get into was turn his back to everybody else in the room. You say, well, how do you know there's other people in the room? He's a king. He's sick unto death. You, you think there ain't going to be servants right there meeting his every single minute need? Oh, absolutely. So what did he do? He turned his back to the people, turned his face towards the wall, and he prayed to the Lord. Why? Because these people weren't going to help him. Only God was. So what do we find? We find not only a humble posture, but an honoring plea of prayer. <laughs> now watch this. You, you read verse 3 and you say, man, man, he's prideful. I, I mean, I can't believe he's so prideful to say what he said to the Lord. You say, what do you say? Well, read it. He said, remember now, O Lord, I beseech you how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And you read that and you go, wait a minute. Hezekiah, listen, listen, God knows all that. Why you got to brag about it? That's not what it's saying at all. Can I tell you, what he's saying is one of the most honorable ways he could pray in the, in the Old Testament. And you say, why is that? Because what he's doing is he's, he's absolutely trusting God in what God said. And what did God say? God, listen, he gave the blessings and the cursing. He said, if you, if you walk in obedience, I'll bless you. If you walk in disobedience, I, I won't bless you. And then what did he say in Proverbs? He said, to the righteous, he'll extend their days. But to the wicked, he'll remove their days. And so what is Hezekiah praying? He's praying, God, you said, God, you said, you said if we walk in righteous, you'll extend our days. You said you'd bless us if we walk in righteous. And here's all he's saying. He said, Lord, I'm banking on what you said. I'm absolutely trusting you what you say, Lord, you know my heart. You know I went to Egypt. You know I went to the kingdom of Syria. But my promise of my heart was to bring revival to Israel, bring worship back to Israel. I tried to walk in righteousness. I tried to walk in truth. He said, God, 
I'm just trusting you in what you said. Now, here's the reality. On this side of Pentecost, in the new covenant, you don't need to brag before the Lord. Y'all say amen. Because we don't live under blessings and curses. But in that covenant, he was just trusting God's word and what God said. Now listen to me. One of the greatest things you can do in your prayer life is learn to pray the word. You say, well, preacher, I don't know what, what part of the word do I pray in my circumstance? Well, get in the word, you'll find out. Why should I pray the word? Because when I'm praying the word, how many agree? I'm always praying back to God what God said. And how many agree God never will go against what he said? See, when you pray any other way, then you're praying what you think is best for you. But when you're pray, praying the word, you're praying what God says is best for you. Are y'all with me? Say amen. See, that's the key. It's where you pray what God knows is best for you, not what you think is best for you. Because I got news for you. You may think something's best for you that's not best for you at all. How many of you agree before Hezekiah got sick, he wouldn't have prayed, God, would you make me sick? But God allowed it. Because God knew that's what was best for him. So pray the word. Pray the word. Listen, how many of you praying for somebody else in your life? Pray the word toward them. If you're praying for somebody that's lost, how do I pray the word? Lord, I want to thank you today. I want to praise you today that it's not your will that any should perish but all come to repentance. I want to thank you today that you, the person can only come to you by the conviction of your Holy Spirit. And your word says you will draw men unto yourself. So, Father, I thank you today that it's not your will that he perish or she perish, but it's also your perfect plan that you draw them unto yourself. So, Father, thank you today for however you open their eyes and however you get them to see their desperate need for you. To God, you be the glory for how you do it. Isn't that a lot better than just saying, Lord, would you save that old wretch? Are y'all with me? All you're doing is trusting God in what he said. Well, let's go on. Let's go on just a little bit further. So what do you find here? An honoring plea in prayer. Now, let's look at the third thing. The strengthening of Hezekiah. The Bible says in verse number 3 that Hezekiah wept sore. Why was he weeping so much? Well, the obvious answer, he, he, knew, he thought he was dying. But it's much more than that. You'll find out tonight when we get to the passage tonight that one of the things that bothered Hezekiah about him, his life being taken so early is he says it in the passage tonight. He says... Because, Lord, if I breathe my last breath, I can't go to the house of the Lord and worship you. So why did Hezekiah pray and ask God to intervene on his behalf? Because he didn't want to know a time where he couldn't go to the presence of God and worship God in his presence. You say, well, preacher, wait a minute. Hezekiah just didn't understand. Absent from the body to be present with the Lord. I mean, he would have, he would have been a worshiping better there than here. Oh, no, no, no. Remember in the Old Testament, listen. The Old Testament, when an Old Testament saint died, they didn't go to heaven. When the Old Testament saint died, they go to, to what's called Sheol, the abode of the dead. Why? Because the blood of Christ was the only thing that would satisfy a holy God. And the blood of Christ had not been placed upon the mercy seat yet. So what happened? Well, the, uh, the, the Old Testament saints would go into the heart of the earth in what was called Abraham's bosom. There wouldn't be torment. It wouldn't be hell. But it would be a place of just the abode of the dead. But then when Christ died and placed the blood upon the mercy seat, the Bible says the Old Testament saints got out of the grave, began to walk around Jerusalem, and when Christ ascended, they ascended with him. 
And Hezekiah knew that he couldn't worship God in person. And he wept. What motivates you in your life? What causes you to get up in the morning? What causes you to go to work in the morning? Let's take it another step. What caused you to come today? What should motivate you and me? Is that God's glorified in every aspect of my life. And every day he gives me the breath to breathe is another opportunity for him to glorify himself through me. Did you come this morning because you felt like you were supposed to? Or did you come this morning because your heart was beating, pulsating with the opportunity to worship and study the Word of God. Makes a big difference, by the way. You see, what Hezekiah cried about was he didn't want to leave the presence of the Lord. So how did God strengthen him in this? Well, notice what it says. You first find an expedient response. The Bible says with Hezekiah, then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah saying. Now, I want you to look at this from 2 Kings, okay? As 2 Kings read it because it gives us some more information. Notice this. So, so Hezekiah has prayed and watch what happens. And it came to pass, uh, 2 Kings chapter 20 verse 4. And it came to pass before Isaiah was gone out into the middle court. Now, so what happened? Remember, Isaiah came in and said, Hezekiah, listen, the Lord said, you're not going to make it. Get your affairs in order. You're not going to make it. And so he I Isaiah leaves the presence of Hezekiah, walks out of the room, walks out of the palace, if you will, gets out into the middle court, doesn't even get out to the outer gate, and all of a sudden, in the midst of all that, Hezekiah is praying for the Lord. And what does God do? Well, God steps, stops Isaiah in his past and says, turn around! I mean, watch what it said. Listen to what the second game passage said. That the word of the Lord came to him saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, that saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. Now watch this. Remember why he wept? Because he didn't want to be absent from the presence of the Lord to worship. Watch what God attached to the promise. He said, On the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord. So what did God say? God, God, listen. God said, listen, uh, Isaiah, I want you to turn around. I got a message for Hezekiah. He showed his faithfulness, his dependence, his faith in me. And now I want you to tell him this problem. That in three days, he can go to the house of the Lord. The one thing Hezekiah dreaded about dying. God assured him and comforted him. Not only was it an expedient response, it was an exalting response. That 2 Kings 25 verse, 20 verse 5 passage, God calls him the captain of the people. Here in 2 Kings, he says to him, he says, the God of David thy father. And there, what's God do? Oh, listen, he exalts Hezekiah. Aren't you glad today that when you get discouraged, God has a way of, of, of giving you comfort and encouragement? And sometimes, can I tell you what it is? It's just in Him showing you who you are in Him. How He sees you. How many agree, when you see yourself through the eyes of your flesh, you don't like what you see? But here's the thing. If you look through the eyes of your flesh, how many agree, you don't like what you see? But when you see yourself the way God sees you in Christ... How did God see Hezekiah? Captain of the people means leader of God's people. God has separated Hezekiah to be the leader of his people. How did God see Hezekiah? As David being his father, which means what? That God saw him as if he walked in the same pathway as David, his father, walked. In obedience to God. So it was an expedient result. By the way, listen. Just because God don't answer your prayer just like that 
Don't quit praying because delays do not always mean denials. Are y'all with me? It's just in Hezekiah's case, he answered immediately. But notice this. Not only was it those, but it was an encouraging response. Watch what it says. What did Isaiah say to him that the Lord said? I have heard thy prayer. How many agree that gave Hezekiah confirmation? You say, well, preacher, listen. I I mean, God always hears our prayer. No, he don't. Have people told me that all my life growing up. There's never a time you pray, God don't hear your prayer. Well, I got news for you. The Bible says different. Psalm 66, 18. If you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear you. And by the way, let me just tell you this. This is going to throw y'all. Y'all love me say amen. God doesn't have a hearing problem. He chooses not to listen. So when God said, I hear your prayer, what would that do to Hezekiah? Oh, glory. Told Hezekiah he was walking in the will of God. But notice this. Not only do you have the confirmation, but you have the compassion. He says, not only did I hear your prayer, but I've seen thy tears. Now listen, it's one thing to listen to someone. It's another thing to show compassion. Let me give you an illustration. Donald comes to me. Donald said, Preacher, I need to talk to you. Man, I'm just going through some stuff in my life. And, I mean, he's just broken. And he starts unloading all this stuff that's going through in his life. And I sit down in front of Donald. And I listen. And I listen. And I listen. And when he gets done, I say, Well, Donald, all right. I'll pray for you. You have a good day. And I walk off. How many agree I listened to it? How many agree I didn't show compassion? Here's what the psalmist says. The psalmist says, God keeps your tears in a bottle. I have people all the time tell me this. They say, preacher, I'm sorry I'm crying. I said, don't you ever apologize for tears. I pray all the time God gives me more tears. Brokenness is a good thing. By the way, what happened? This this is off topic. It has nothing to do with this sermon. But praise God, I'm going there anyway. Y'all say amen. What happened to the days when the altars were full of people weeping over their sin? We need tears. But God showed Hezekiah compassion. He said, I heard you, Hezekiah. And he said, I know your heart and your hurt. But watch this. Notice the communication and the response. So what's God telling you? Behold, I will add unto thy days 15 years, and I will deliver thee this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. Now remember, what we looked at last week was how God delivered Israel from Assyria. You remember they conquered, they conquered the, God conquered the enemy, went into the camp, slew all the people of of the camp of Assyria, and then the king went back and his own son slew him. Y'all remember that? Say amen. All right, so what does this tell us? That all of this that Ezekiah was praying was going on in the midst of the attacks, was in the midst of all that. The the victory hadn't been won yet, but guess what? Hezekiah knew God was going to bring victory. Why? Because God told him he would. And so here's three things God told him. He said, three days you'll go to the house of the Lord. What's that mean? Well, he's bedridden. That means a complete, complete healing. But not only that, but he said, listen, he said, not only that, but I'm going to give you 15 more years. He said, I'm going to honor your righteousness and extend your days, just as I said I would just as you you by faith trusted me to do and he said third he said I'm going to deliver you from then you say well preacher I'm going through some tough times how do I know what God's going to do in my life won't you ask ask him to give you a word That you can walk by faith on. He will. 
Well, fourthly and lastly, the sign for Hezekiah. By the way, before you go too far with this text, I want to share something with you. When you read this text, if you're not careful, here's where you'll come to. God said he was going to die. Hezekiah prayed and God changed his mind. God don't ever change his mind. I was taught all my life growing up, if you pray hard enough, you can change God's mind. All right, I'm going to dispel that real quick. Y'all ready? Say amen. All right. Brandon, I'm going to come over and play you again in ping pong. <laughs> Y'all heard that. He said he's going to beat me this time. Tomorrow, I call Brandon. Brandon, I've changed my mind. If I change my mind, then the decision I made first was the wrong decision. Or I wouldn't have had to change my mind. If God made one wrong decision, he's not holy God. So if you think your prayer life changes God's mind, you better rethink it. You say, well, why'd God tell him that then? Because God was testing to see if Hezekiah would come to a place of deeper faith and deeper dependence and cry out to him. How many agree God knows your tomorrow? How many agree God knows your next weeks? How many agree God knows your next months? How many agree God knows your next years? Okay, so why would God ever have to change his mind if he already knows what's going to happen before it happens? You think God didn't know what Hezekiah was going to do when he told Isaiah to tell him he was going to die? He absolutely knew what God was You think God didn't know what he was going to do? God was going to do. Absolutely. See, God has all this. God knows everything. See, prayer don't change God. Prayer changes you. Prayer lets you get in on what God's already decided. Y'all with me? Say amen. So let's go through this last thing. The sign of Hezekiah. So here's what it says in verse 7, and I'm going to close. He says, and I will deliver, or, or, verse 7, and this shall be a sign unto thee for the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of degrees which is uh, gone down the sundial of Ahaz ten degrees backwards so the sun returned ten degrees by which degrees it was gone down. Now here's the thing. What's the purpose in this sign? Well, here's the reason. In the Old Testament, they were not dwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. In the New Testament, you and I are dwelt with the Spirit of God. So listen, guess what? You don't have to ask for a fleece. You don't have to ask for a sign. Matter of fact, the Jews came to Jesus and said, Hey, if you are who you say you are, give us a sign. And Jesus said, What kind of evil generation are you that asked for a sign? He said, Why? Because I've already gave you all the shadows and types of the temple and of the feast and of the offerings and everything in the Old Testament pointed to me. Here I am. And you've not seen. Why in the world would I give you a sign? And by the way, if you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God, why would you need a sign? Why would you need a fleece? Why would you need to put God to a test if you can't already hear from the Holy Spirit? When I say to God, God, I must have a fleece before I'm going to believe what you said to me. Here's what I'm saying to God. God, I can't listen to your voice. But I, but Hezekiah didn't have the end of life. So God in his mercy and grace said, Hezekiah, I'm going to ironclad put my stamp on this promise. And you'll have no doubt about it. But now here's what really happened. Isaiah only gives us a portion of it. Because what we find in 2 Kings is the petition about the sign. So, so what was the original word that God gave? He said, I will move the earth forward 10 steps or 10 degrees. But Hezekiah came back, and listen to what Hezekiah said. Chapter 20, verse 10. And Hezekiah answered, It is a light thing uh, for the shadow to go down 10 degrees. Nay, but let the shadow return backward 10 degrees. 
Oh, this is it. You say, preacher, that don't mean nothing to me. Oh, it ought to mean a lot to you. You say, why? Here's what God said. God said, I'm going to listen. I'm going to, I'm going to move the earth forward quicker, 10 degrees. In other words, the daylight, the shadow that would cast from the daylight. He said, I'm going to move it forward 10 days. And, that, and then Hezekiah said, well, listen, Lord, that, that, that's nothing. Move it back 10 degrees. Now, you understand what Hezekiah is asking? The first thing God said is, I'm going to let the earth continue to rotate as it is, but I'm just going to speed it up a little. Hezekiah said, well, that's wonderful, but do this. Make the earth stop and make it go in reverse 10 degrees. That's the only way you can back up time. Y'all say amen. In other words, instead of the sun setting, Hezekiah was saying, let the sun rise higher. Let it go back to where it was a little while ago. Now, so what did God do? God answered his prayer. And what do we find? Lastly, the power, the power in the sign. So what did God do? God literally, listen, literally, he stopped the earth caused it to rotate opposite from what it was rotating. To whereby the shadow on the steps of the, of the, of the, of the steps of the temple began to recede 10 degrees. You say, well, preacher, I don't do nothing for me. Let me ask you a question. If God can cause the earth to reverse its rotation, in mercy and grace to help a man, a king called Hezekiah. What in the world do you think you can go through that God can't take care of? What makes us turn to everything else but God when the same God that caused the earth to reverse its course is the same God that lives in you and lives in me if you're saved? you understand the power of God? Do you understand there's not one person you're praying for for salvation? God is not more than enough to save. Do you understand there's not one circumstance or multiple circumstances you're going through in your life that God is not more than enough to provide for you in and walk you through? Do you understand there's not one situation in your life that God is not more than sufficient to help you in? You say, well, preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't. But God does. And if God's so determined that the only way to help you is to cause the earth to rotate backwards, he's Elohim. He created this world. He controls this world. And there's nothing that he cannot do if he so chooses to do. And by the way, if you believe in evolution, you need to read the Bible. Because I'm going to tell you, this passage right here proves, disproves evolution. You say, how is that? Because if evolution is true, then everything happened over the course of millions and millions and millions of years. So what would, if evolution is true, what would have had to happen for the earth to stop its rotation and go reverse for 10 degrees? Well, I want to tell you something. It couldn't have happened in a day or in a moment. It would have took hundreds of years to happen because that's the way evolution works. But here's the reality. In one day, God said, let there be light, and there was light. So you really think God can't take care of me? Father, I love you, I praise you, and I thank you. Father, you know what everyone in here is going through today. Father, I want to thank you today that there's only one person to turn to, and that's you. Father, we understand you don't operate on our timetable. We understand that many times you don't operate in the way that we think you ought to operate. But Father, here's the reality. As your children, you never ever allow or never ever 
initiate anything that's not for our good. No matter how confusing, no matter how troubling, no matter how difficult, no matter how perplexing, no matter how hurtful, no matter how long I have to go through it. Father, you're just wanting us to walk in a deeper walk of faith. Deeper dependence upon you. Because, Father, I'm just going to be honest. There are some circumstances that in my flesh just don't make sense. Father, I'm glad today that you've enabled us not to walk by flesh, but by faith. When we walk by faith, we're not walking by sight. We're not walking on the basis of what we see taking place. We're walking on the basis of what you say. Who you are. And what you're able to do. So, Father, I pray for every person in this place going through difficult times right now. Take this text and remind them that the same God, you, who made them your temple when you saved them, is the same God that reversed the rotation of the earth just to encourage troubled king. Father, maybe there's individuals here this morning, Father, they just, just be honest, just be transparent. There's never been the practice of prayer. There's never been the longing and desire to worship in your presence. There's never been the walk of abandoned faith. Instead of it, it's been the walk of self. Maybe today, in your goodness and in your mercy and in your grace, you'd let them see that the reason that's never been is because they've never let you give them life. So, Father, saved, lost. The provision and the answer is the same. It's you. So I wonder this morning how many are willing to just come on a bended knee and say, Lord, you're all I have. But praise your holy name, you're all I need. You're more than enough. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said,